0: Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Well, go with me to Joshua chapter one. You can follow along with me in my notes today. You can go to the YouVersion Bible app, and under events, you'll see Faith Christian Center, and you'll see my message for today. I encourage you to follow along with me or at least download the notes. I have a lot of things I'm going to cover today and I'm going to take my time. So we start this year right, amen? And so here's an interesting question to start a New Year's messages. Anybody ever watched the movie Back to the Future? Anybody ever seen that movie? So you guys are familiar with the DeLorean, the time machine, right? So my question to you today is what would you do with the time machine. What would you do with it? Because some of you will say, well, if I had a time machine, I'd go to the future. But I don't think a lot of you actually would. I think a lot of you would go back to 2019. Because there's so many people still holding on to how the world used to be. And instead of moving forward to their future, they're in love with their past. They're still thinking about 2019 and 2019's long gone. 2020 is long gone and 2021 is done. So if you had a time machine, would you actually go to your future or would you go back to how it used to be? And a lot of you say, well, I'll go to my future. What we'll see in this message if you would actually go to the future or you go back to 2019. Or some of you be going, yabba-dabba-doo, back to the Flintstones, all the way back there. We'll see if you're going to your future or you're stuck in your past. So Joshua chapter 1. See, that's a good thing say. Are you stuck? Come on, put that in the chat if you're watching live. Are you stuck? Because a lot of people get stuck. You know, people who always go through, you talk to them every year, oh, I'm going through. Well, when are you going out? can't be stuck in the valley of the shadow of the death. It's not supposed to be build a resort and live there, walk through. We're not supposed to be stuck in our past. We're supposed to be going to the future God has for us. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 from the New Living Translation, it says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Pause. Think about that. Moses, this brother, lived to be 120, climbed a mountain at 120. Some of us, you like, I know we're close to 120, but I can't climb a mountain. Climbed a mountain at 120. God showed him the promised land and says, now it's time for you to die. He lived that way. One of the things you see when you should read the end of book of Numbers and read through Deuteronomy as a recap of everything that happened, that Moses in his latter years, in his hundreds was still a warrior. He fought a giant. Now, I imagine Moses fighting a giant like, you know, Lord of the Rings and Gandalf, you know, a staff in one hand, a sword in the other, taking down a giant. This is a mighty man of God. This is a man who led millions of people out of slavery. This is a man God used to part the Red Sea, to strike a rock and water pour it out, to call Krispy Kreme donuts to fall down from heaven, and fried chicken to fly in on another day. This is the dude God used to do tremendous things that no one has seen before. And now he's gone. And the nation has been in a period of national mourning for 30 days. And so the book starts off with this. God says, Moses is gone. The past is done. Now, Joshua, it's time for you to go forward. Because you have to imagine, Moses meant a lot to the whole nation, but how much to Joshua? Because of course two million people were familiar with Moses. They saw him every day, heard from him, heard his messages, knew his leadership style, and etc. But Joshua was Moses' assistant. Moses is Joshua's mentor. He is his friend. Joshua was in the inner circle. When Moses climbed the mountain and God appeared on the mountain, Joshua was also on the mountain. When Moses went to the tabernacle and God would appear, Joshua was in the tabernacle too. Joshua and very few others had this up close experience with God and with Moses. Now, this man that he knew for over 40 years is gone. So imagine how he's feeling personally, not just imagining the leadership he's going to have to step into. And God says, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River and to the land I am giving Joshua, the time has come for you to go into your future and lead the people into their future. It's time to cross the Jordan. Because you have to imagine, because of unbelief, they were delayed for about 40 years. Technically 38 years, but 40 years was the entire judgment. They were delayed. They could see the promised land. Few of them have gone to spy the promised land, but they couldn't cross the river. And you know what? They had gotten used to living in the wilderness. Some people who were alive then, a lot of them had only known the wilderness. Some remembered Egypt, most of them were gone though, but most of them only knew the wilderness. This is a season change. To go to something new, they were used to the manna, the Krispy Kreme donuts falling every day. They were used to living in the wilderness. They were used to the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. This was their normal. This was their present. But God says, now it's time for you to go to your future. Because once they got into the promised land, the Krispy Kreme donuts stopped falling. See, when the season changes, often the menu changes. And if you're so stuck on seeing God do the same thing he did in the past, in the future, you may miss what God's trying to do in your life. Too many times we set our time machine to the past. You're not saying, well, we're going to where there's no roads. No, you hit 88 miles per hour and beyond and go to the past because we fallen in love with the past. We were, you know, we, you as a, not just, you know, as believers, but just as people in general, we romanticize the past. You're talking about, all the good old days. But you were complaining about the good old days while you were living through the good old days. Come on, we make movies about the good old days, but we think about it. If you lived through it, it actually wasn't what they said on the screen. We edited a whole lot of stuff out. Well, we still fall in love with the past and we create something in our minds that actually doesn't exist. And it makes us prisoners to the past instead of going to the future God has for us. Now let's go to Colossus 4.17. I want to talk to you about a guy most of you have never heard of before because I think he's a good example for us today. He's only mentioned twice in the Bible. His name is Archippus. Say, Archippus. Anybody ever heard of him before? He was like, I never knew he was in the Bible. He's like, oh, does his name have a deep spiritual meaning? Not really. It means master of the horse. But I believe what the Holy Ghost told him applies to every single one of us. See, Paul is closing out his letter to the Colossians here. And as he closes... Remember, he's talking to our entire church now, not just one. Sometimes when you study the Bible, especially in the New Testament, there are letters written to leaders as individuals, and there's leaders written to an entire church family. This letter is written to an entire church family at Colossae. And then he says, when you're done with this letter, pass it around, send it to the Laodiceans, and read the letter that is circulating there. And so when you get to verse 17, and he says, and say to Archippus, now he's talking to the entire church. He's talking to kids' world. He's talking to the seniors. He's talking to the youth ministry. He's talking to the married. He's talking to the singles. Here's what I want all y'all to say to Archippus. Imagine the shout out. Today, thousands of years later, we're talking about this dude. But he said, tell the entire church to say this to this man. Now, this is encouragement to Archippus, same type of encouragement Paul gave Timothy. But this is also Paul's endorsement, because Paul's also saying through this, I endorse what he's doing. Now I want you guys to get behind him as well. Take heed, which means pay attention to this, focus on this. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. Why do you need to pay attention to this, Archippus? Why do you need to focus on this? So that you fulfill it. Fulfill means to discharge or faithfully discharge What does that mean? If a person discharges their duties or responsibilities, they do everything that needs to be done in order to complete them. Or in other words, Archippus, you do everything God told you to do. Don't back down, don't back up, do everything. Can you imagine when Archippus visited the church of Colossae? Because some historians believe he was ministering in Laodicea, he came back to visit and the church mother walks by, and Archippus, you do what God told you to do. Okay, oh, that's, that's sweet. The five-year-old, archipis, you do what God told you to do. Now that's weird. The teenagers come out, now Archipis, you do what God told you to do. Imagine the constant reminder, do what God said, do what God said, fulfill your call, do what God says. Archippus, you got a purpose. Archippus, you're here for a reason. Archipis, God has called you out. Archipis, God has singled you out. You have a plan, you have a purpose, you have a call, you have an anointing, you have an assignment, and guess what, you do too. So I'll call you all archivists today. Fulfill your assignment. Do what God has told you to do. You can't do it if you stay in the past. See another translation of this verse: in The New American Standard says, "Continually fulfill." The only way you continually fulfill is if you leave the past behind. You can't change the past. You can't change 2021. It's done. Over with. The only people who are going to talk to you about your 2021 soon is the IRS. Leave your past behind. Pay attention to what God has called you to do. Your future is calling. What will you do about it? Your future is calling. What will you do with your time machine? Are you going back to 2019? Or are you going to do the future that God has for you? You see, if you do not renew your mind concerning your future, you will think like you did previously and live like you always live. Because you can be excited, we all get excited at the turn of the year. Oh man, this is gonna be a great year, but if you still think like you did last year, nothing's gonna change. Yeah, you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, the mighty burning fire going to heaven when you die. But if you don't renew your mind, you're still going to act like a heathen. But I felt something at church. I'm glad you felt something. Hopefully it was the Holy Ghost and not gas. It's not about what you felt. It's about did you feel enough to change your mind? See, repentance means change your mind and go the other way. Because if you don't begin to think different this year, you're still gonna do what you did last year. See, your mind is part of your time machine. If you still think like the past, you'll behave like you did in the past. If you do not shift your mindset and begin to think differently, you will stay in your past. You must renew your mind. Say, I must. Renew my mind. Let's say it again. Put it in the chat, people online. Say, I must renew my mind. You see, an adjustment in your mindset is vital to answering the call of God in your life and moving into your future. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You must renew your mind. You must adjust your mindset. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. We'll read this one from the King James. It says, and you has he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, were in time past. Say past. Come on, say past. past. Come on, say it again. Put it in the chat. Say Past you walked or you live according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air who's that some of the devil now you have to understand people think oh satan's in hell well not necessarily we like to say that because it fits sunday school pictures but the bible doesn't tell you that's where he is he is the ruler or as second corinthians 4 says the god of this world's systems so he and his amps are actively throughout the earth arranging things to enslave mankind and combat the plan of God. And so Paul calls him the prince in power of the air because his realm where he is seated is in the air above us. It's what the Bible calls the first heaven. Now there's a second heaven, the universe, the interstellar space, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a third heaven where God resides. But in this air where we live and and have our authority that the bishop reminds you to use on New Year's Eve, You have to use your authority because there is somebody who's going to challenge your authority. He has authority, but his authority is not greater than yours. You have to use your authority daily and consistently because if you don't, you'll just go along with everything in the world just like everybody else. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. You saved, don't you dare be a children of disobedience. You're supposed to be the children of obedience. The ones who do what God says, those who move with the Holy Ghost, those who obey the Word. Among whom we also had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past. Say past. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We used to do, notice we're supposed to be used to, Paul's talking to church, supposed to be used to. Ain't still doing it, supposed to be used to. We used to do whatever felt right, whatever we wanted to do because it felt right. But now we know we don't just give in to what our body wants to do because sometimes, a lot of times, our body is wrong. Yes, sometimes our bodies want to sin still, even though you saved because your spirit got saved, not your body. You gotta keep this joker in control. Because not only would it lead you to sin, but sometimes at 2 a.m. it will lead you to apple pie. And you know you don't need it. Peter said it this way, for the rest of our time in this body, we should live in subjection to the will of God. Not to the will of the desires of our body or the will of the unrenewed mind. But we submit our life to the will of God. We submit our life to answering the plan of God. We submit our life to doing what God said. Cause Paul says here, and we were by nature the children of wrath, either as others, or the life we live provoked judgment. How would you like that everything you did call for judgment? And that's what Paul said, that's how you used to live. Everything you did called for judgment. Not just judgment, great judgment, wrath. See, your past life is over, so don't go back to it. In the past, you lived according to the direction of the enemy. You lived to fulfill the wrong desires of your body and your unrenewed mind. Your lifestyle called for judgment, but God. Look at what it says in the next verse. But God, who is rich in mercy rich. I'm talking about Elon Musk rich. I'm talking about you take what he has and Bezos has and a whole bunch of other put it together. It's still not enough to compare to how rich God is in mercy. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved and has raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. In the ages to come, God just wants to show off. Show off His grace. And see, grace has 21 different definitions in the New Testament alone. 21. That's a lot. And guess what? They're all good. The God of all grace wants to show off His grace in your life. So, when do the ages to come start? They already started. We're not talking about in the sweet by and by he's going to show off. He wants to show off now. He wants to show off his grace in your life now. He wants to show off his goodness in your life now. He wants to show off his gifts in your life now. He wants to show off his anointings in your life now. But if you refuse to renew your mind and you live like your children of disobedience, you will limit how much grace you can experience. Because the thing is grace is a gift. But what happens is, when you have an unrenewed mind, and you decide not to live the way God wants you to live, you reject the gift. It's not that God's desire has changed, it's just you decided not to receive what he has for you. Because you know better, you and your brilliant self know better than God. That's what you decide to do when you say, you know what, I know God wants me to do this, this is where God's called me to go, but I don't like that, so I'm gonna go over here. You might not say it out loud, most of you might not, hopefully, but your actions are saying something your mouth wouldn't dare to say. Your actions are saying, I know better than God. And you're rejecting the grace he has for you. And I don't know about you, but in the times we live, I need grace and more grace and more grace and more grace and more grace. I'm thankful the scripture says multiple times, he gives more grace. So that means we need to live our lives in such a way that we can always receive more grace. And part of that is being humble. Pastor Michelle, something said, I'm paraphrasing what she said yesterday, in yesterday's session, talk about Sometimes humility is getting out of your own head, thinking you know better. Humility is not thinking you're some unworthy worm. No. Humility is having an accurate opinion about yourself. And what's the accurate opinion? What God said. What God said about you is accurate. And what also is accurate is that God knows more than you. And so when he says, look, this is what I want to do, this is what I feel like doing, but God says do something else, God, you know more, so I'm going to go your way. Even if this way looks interesting. (laughs) Even if this way looks like I'm going to have to hang out with some people that, Lord, I would rather love from a distance. Like, great distance. Like, Lord, bless them somewhere else distance. Bless them, but it's not near me. Distance. That God's plan for your life is better than anything you could plan. That's why the Scripture says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans of peace, plans of good, plans to give you an expected end. He has good plans for you. Say, he has good plans for me. So to walk him out, we've got to renew our mind. I'm going to read it for the sake of time, Romans 12, 1 and 2. You'll see it in my notes. Because I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. If you're presenting your body, that means you're not just doing whatever you want with your body. Because you have to think about this. Although, you know, we live in 2022, we have a westernized mindset about things. This was written to a people who lived in the East. People who understood back in there what it, was, what it meant to present a sacrifice, to come to a temple. Whether they're going to serve the living God or serving false gods, they understood what it meant to go to a temple, to go to a holy place and make a sacrifice. Now, if you made a sacrifice, guess what? You left it on the altar. You didn't make your sacrifice, pick it up, and take it back home. Every priest would side-eye to you if you made a sacrifice and picked it up and took it back. Like, what are you doing? That's not how you sacrifice. If you sacrifice something, you leave that bad boy on the altar. And so Paul, knowing that, says we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, that means we leave our bodies on the altar even when it's not Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Late in the midnight hour, not when you talk talking about God breaking through, but late in the midnight hour when you wanna call somebody, you have no business calling. Single people. And married people, you ain't calling your spouse, but that's something. Mm-mm, you married people have no business being on those dating apps. Scripture, scripture, scripture. You present your bodies, and you leave it there. Because if not, if you take your body off the altar, you're activating your time machine to go to the past. You're telling that DeLorean to go over 88 miles an hour, go backwards. Go back to when I was a heathen. There should be a difference how you lived before you are saved, and now that you are saved but your body is your living sacrifice. Say, my body is my sacrifice. Come on, say it again, let's put it in the chat. Say, my body is my sacrifice. And see, on that point, something I might share later this week in the conference or maybe just later with you all, but when they presented sacrifice in the Old Testament, you can read the laws chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter on this, but you didn't present faulty sacrifices. You didn't present sacrifices that were maimed or sick or diseased. You presented the best. If you're coming before the king of all kings, almighty God, you present the best. Sacrifice, right? Your body is your sacrifice, so why would you put up with sickness and disease in it? You say, this is my body. This is my sacrifice. Sickness is not allowed in it. See, pastor, but I'm sheltered in place at home coffin. Yep, it's still your sacrifice. Stay there. I'm not saying leave there, leave quarantine. I did not say pastor did not say that. Now let's, let's say it again for everyone's benefit. Say pastor did not say that. But while you shelter in place and receive your healing, and by the way, stop proving you have nobody you have no reason to prove yourself to anybody it's like oh i'm at home i have no energy because i'm fighting covid but i'm gonna do some extra sit yourself down rest and receive your healing stop proving yourself to everybody sit down rest and receive your healing because some people say well i'm gonna prove myself that's faith that is not faith that is pride and foolishness sit down Your body is your sacrifice to take care of it. So you refuse to put it with sickness and disease in your body because you know your body is your sacrifice. But that also means you're going to take good care of your temple because it's also called the temple of the Holy Ghost. That means you're going to make some wise health decisions because your body is your sacrifice. See, I got some mans, but I got some stairs too. See, eating sweets is not bad. Even the Bible says, eat the fat, drink the sweet, but it didn't mean every day. Every meal of the day. All throughout the day. Snack times too, And late in the midnight hour, that's not what the scripture meant. But if our body is our sacrifice, if it's our temple, we should do the best we can to take care of it. Because should Jesus tear, we're going to be here a long time. And we want bodies that work right at 100, and 100, 10, 100. If we really wanna be here for the long haul, we need to take care of this temple, this sacrifice. Say, my body is my sacrifice. So you have to present your body, and as the scripture goes on, it says, you need to be transformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew simply means to renovate. You know, I'm in a process, as we shared before, of renovating parts of our home, not because we just wanted to start out the project, but because right before the holidays, we had an unexpected flood. Nobody wants a flood in general, but especially in right before the holidays. And so it dripped and infected multiple rooms and everything. And the, the other day when they, the water mitigation team was there tearing stuff out, now, I think I was feeling kind of stressed. Like, they're yanking stuff out of my house and they're just walking down the stairs with carpet over the shoulder, wood paneling, everything. But what is that process they're doing? They took out the bad and they're going to replace it with the new. See, that same thing has to be with our thinking take out the bad and replace it with the new. And it's not saying, well, one day it's like, I've renewed my mind. No, it is a continual process. As long as you walk this earth, you need to renew your mind. Well, I've been saved all my life. I got saved when I was three. I've been talking in tongues since I was five. I've been saved. Well, good that you've been saved all your life. But there's some other stuff in your mind that needs to be worked on. Say, my mind needs help. Admittance is the first step. We all need to renew our mind. We all need the help of God and the help of others. But we have to renew our mind and renew our mind by the truth of God's word. In a day and age where everybody has a truth, in a day and age where the truth is whatever you want it to be, there has to be a standard of absolute truth. And the absolute truth you renew your mind with is the Word of God. All the Bible is for you, but not all the Bible is about you. The Bible that is consistently about you is the New Testament, especially the epistles. You read that, you know God is talking to you. And you see him talking to Holy Ghost, tongue-tall people, stop lying. He said that Paul, the church at Ephesus, the Ephesians letter, is written to a church that's doing really, really good. And he says, stop lying. Stop stealing. Don't do that no more. Go to work. Don't be lazy. You find yourself in one of these churches, maybe all the churches. Hopefully not some of the stuff they're doing in Corinth because they were extra on a whole other level. But God will correct us. And the Bible tells us that the Old Testament was given to us to give us hope so that we increase in endurance and we understand that God is a promise keeper. And so when you read through the Word of God, you need to renew your mind so that you live how God wants you to live. You don't just live like the rest of the world, because if you don't renew your mind, you'll go along with the rest of the world, the course of this world, how they act, how they live, how they think, whatever their customs are. And won't think twice about it. But if you're a person who's in the Word, you won't just go along with everything because you're realizing, you know what? That's not what the Bible says. And I decided to be a Word person. But you can't know what the Bible says if you only open the Bible when you come to church. If you come. You got to be in the Word every day. That we have to renew our mind if we want to go into the future God has for us. See, sometimes when we talk about renewing our mind, we think about the bad things, and that does apply. But what about the things that were good, but that belonged to the past? Anybody remember the prophet Elijah? God called him, and he called for a drought in the area, and he says, go by the brook Cherith, And that's why I'll take care of you I'll provide for you and it says birds every morning and night brought Elijah a meal and dropped it off at that brook he drank from the brook and the birds brought the meal some scholars believe that those birds swooped down to the Ahab's table the king's table and took his meal and brought it to the man of God so every day for a long period of time Elijah just had a camping experience Pastor Kerry you would have loved that just living by the brook and uber eats dropping off your food you gotta do nothing and that's what his experience was. But then the brook began to dry up. And God said, go to Zarephath, because there I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. So Elijah's time to leave the brook and time to go to the next step. But you know what some of us would have done? We looked at the brook. Brook, I command you in the name that's above every name, I command water to flow. Birds, bring me some food. I want a burrito today. Bring it from Ahaz. table. we'd be commanding and decreeing and declaring and stomping and shouting and spitting and running, trying to get water in the brook and a bird to show up again when the command of God had changed. The season had changed, the menu had changed, but because we liked how it was at the brook, we didn't want to go to Zarephath. That seems inconvenient. I don't want to walk that far. I don't want to go all over there. A widow woman to sustain me? God, what are people gonna say? I'm gonna be all over CNN and Twitter. I'll be subtweeted all throughout the Twitterverse. No, I can't do that. But are you still at the brook? When God said move. See, the brook was good, the brook was God, but the brook now belongs to the past when God has something for you in the future. See, one of the things I told the staff here and the leadership here for over a year before I began to share it publicly to the congregation, said we will not be blockbuster in the age of Netflix. See, because the last words of any dying organization is we've always done it this way. A lot of churches and businesses die at the brook because it was good at the brook. It worked at the brook. When the brook dried up, they camped out at the brook instead of going to Zarephath. And I'm not saying it's going to Zarephath because you picked Zarephath, but you went to Zarephath because the Holy Ghost said to go. But too many of us would take our time machine back to the brook because that's where Uber Eats showed up. That's where we are comfortable. Because also in that place he was hidden because Ahab could not find Elijah. He was looking and could not find him. He was supernaturally protected and covered there. It was a great experience. And sometimes we try to take ourselves back to past great experiences when God has better ones for us in the future. But we get stuck at the brook because we're comfortable. Because we're used to it. Sometimes we're comfortable in good things that we're used to, and sometimes we're comfortable in trauma. That you're used to this trauma. You're used to the dysfunction, so you stay in it. It's, a, it's frightening to you to not have the dysfunction every day that you have. And so you stay in it. So whether it's good or bad, we can't stay in our past. We have to change our mindset and change the way we live to go into the future God has for us we we'll go back to Joshua and begin to bring this to a close. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. Your time machine, your DeLorean, will continually take you to the past if you do not renew your mind and change the way you live. You see, the reason why we put a piece of paper and a pen on the road where you're at today is because some of you need to leave some things in 2021, or some of you in yesterday too. And whatever those things are, you need to write it out on that piece of paper, fold it. And when we dismiss, you need to leave it at the altar. Symbolizing I'm leaving it in my past. Because if you take it with you, you're sending your time machine backward when you need to go to the future God has for you. So as I keep preaching, God's gonna talk to you about some stuff. You just write it down. And if you need to take a copy of it, just take a picture with your phone or put it in your phone or something else. But there are some things you need to leave in your past. I'm not talking about people say, so, "Yep, yeah, I should have talked to them, they just messed me up. No, you bad all by yourself. I think you, things you need to leave in your past. Decisions that you've been making, actions you've been making, have been taken. We have to leave our past and go into our future. Joshua 1, 3 and 4, God tells the man of God, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that I have given unto you as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Now, one of the things that's comforting to this is at least Joshua had a map. He knew where he was going. You might say, well, Pastor, 2022, I would like a map like Joshua. He got a map. You know, I would think I know where I was going, but these last two years, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened in two years that I never, never, ever, ever thought would happen. A lot of them, not just one, but a lot of things. It seems so uncertain. I wish I had a map like Joshua. Anyone wish they had a map like Joshua? But guess what, you got a better one. You have a better map than Joshua had. And let me show it to you. Go to Psalm 25. Say, I have access to a better map than Joshua had. Because Joshua's map worked pretty well. He went to all the places God said, and he did everything that God said, commanded him to do. But Psalm 25, verse 4, it says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. The New Living Translation says, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. The Passion Translation says, Direct me, Yahweh, throughout my journey so that I can experience your plans for my life. Reveal the life paths that are pleasing to you. God has a plan for your life. God has a path for your life. God has a journey that he's invited you to undertake, an adventure he's invited for you to undertake. It's a custom-made, tailor-made path for you, a path where you don't have to look at what somebody else is doing because they're not the person you're supposed to be comparing yourself to. The only thing you need to compare yourself to is the Word of God and God's call in your life. Are you keeping pace with what the Holy Ghost told you to do? Don't look at somebody else. Because you know what happens if you're running track and you keep looking at somebody else? You are going to go into somebody's lane and cause a crash. You might trip over a hurdle or something. No, stop looking at everybody else. Focus on your lane. Focus on your path. See, it says in verse 12 here, What man is he that fears or reverences the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him or reverence him, and he will show them his covenant. That last phrase is also translated, and his covenant is to make them know it. You have a covenant with God, and part of God's covenant with you is for him to reveal to you the path that he has for you. You should be able to follow the path like Jesus followed his path. When we read the Gospels, we're reading through the Gospels right now. We're going to read through it all in the first quarter of the year. But one of the things you'll see watching the life of Jesus, you never see him, well, I guess I should do this today. I guess I should go to that village. You know, I guess I should preach this message. You never saw him guessing. He knew what his father wanted him to do because he prayed about it. And even at times where everyone thought, you should stay in this city, he said, like, no, I have to go this because this is where I'm sent. He talks about what he heard from his father and what his father commanded him to do. He says, by myself, I can't do anything. And that messes up a lot of people's religion, that Jesus, the Son of God, God himself said, I can't do stuff by myself. Because a lot of us think, well, Jesus did whatever he wanted, whatever he wanted. That's not true. He said, I say the things my father told me to say, and I do the things I saw my father show, show me to do. And so Jesus was consistently getting directions and instructions from his Father. He didn't have to guess, which lets me know we're redeemed from guessing. That you don't have to guess throughout our years. Well, I guess I'll do this. I guess I'll do this. Well, the stock market this and the pandemic that and this and that. Well, I don't know what's going to happen on the earth. There's a lot of things that are going to happen on the earth, but you don't have to know about all those things. You just have to know what God wants you to do. Because if you stay in sync with the Holy Spirit, he'll prepare you for things to come. And he'll show you what to do that's what it tells us in John 16 13 that one of the reasons Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us is to guide us into all truth and he will announce to us or show us things to come and if you're saved the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and that's what he wants to do he wants to show you things to come he wants to prepare you he wants to be your guide see you have a better map than Joshua and you have a guide Because you can look at a map, and some of you, how many know you can look at a map and still be confused? Anybody know that? Some of you look at the GPS, and still confused. You turn left and it's like, oh no, it's map flipped around. But some of you are very grateful, especially if you got a good GPS that says, hey, turn right, hey, turn left, hey, keep going. Aren't you glad that your GPS doesn't cuss you out? Because some of us have some interesting driving patterns (laughs) that if our GPS had emotions, it may have to repent for some of the things it would have said to us. You know you don't need to drive that fast. What are you doing cutting that person off? You see, not only did God give us a better map, he also gave us a God who is patient with us, who is merciful, who keeps adjusting, who keeps helping us who even when we knew better and messed up, we cold and we'd repent. And he says, I got you, just go this way. Do this, do that. You see, the map that God has given you, this plan, he put it on the inside of your heart. Say, the plan is within me. See, you are a tripart being. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind well in the seat or control center of your emotions, and you live in a physical body. The plan for your life has been put in your spirit. And that's why Proverbs t- tells us that a person of understanding draws it out. It draws out that counsel. It draws out that understanding. The plan is within you, but you have to draw it out. Say, the plan is within me, but I must draw it out. See, Psalm 119 verse 130 says, The entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding unto the simple. The word entrance there also means the unfolding. So when you get in the word and you open the word and you go through the word, or you sit under the word being taught and the word being preached, and when you meditate the word and you unfold the words in your heart and your mind, or you're listening as the word is unfolded to you through preaching and teaching, understanding is imparted. Enlightenment is given. That's why you can go to church and the message not be about what you thought you needed to hear, but God talks to you in your heart, this is what you need to do. Why? What did he do? You made the decision to value God's word. You place yourself in a position to hear his word, and then he'll talk to you about things. There are certain meetings I go to, not necessarily for the messages, even though the messages are good, but I know when I sit there, God will talk to me about things. Some things not even media tell you things about things down the road. That enlightenment came because I let put myself in a position to hear his word. And as I put myself in a position to hear his word and to read his word and to meditate his word, the plan that was in my heart became more clear. You see, the thing is, every person is called to have a pastor. Every person is called to be part of a church family. I don't care how long you've been saved, you need somebody else. It ain't just about you. We need each other. Because sometimes the answers you're praying about, they're not going to come up from your heart, but it's going to come through a relationship God has called you to have. That God put something in them for you. And it doesn't always come out if you guys pray together. Sometimes it comes out as you guys just having fun talking, doing something that you enjoy. And all of a sudden God says, hey, what is that? Fellowship. And what fellowship is what? Important, scriptural that we're supposed to do life together. Whether they're doing life just texting people, because some of you say, I can't talk on the phone that long, they just talk too much. So text. Zoom. We need each other. Say, we need each other. Come on, put that in the chat. All you people online, everybody on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, put it in the chat. We need each other. So that means even in times like this, we have to be more intentional there's a lot of things to separate us in these times. Not just the pandemic, there's a lot of things that separate us. So that means we have to be intentional. So, hey, if I can't go to your house, I can still text you. If we can't go out to dinner together, we can still connect in some other way. We have to be intentional with maintaining the relationships God has called us to have and not becoming islands. So, well, I'm an introvert. Well, talk to other introverts. Be introverted together. Y'all don't have to be in the same room, just open up a Zoom chat and just read a book together. No one talking, y'all forget someone else is on the Zoom. You introvert, I got it. But even if you're an introvert, we need each other. We're not doing this by ourselves. The map and the plan is within you, but you must draw it out. You must follow the leading of your God, the Holy Spirit. And we must do life together, because even Jesus, the Son of God, who had the right to not want to hang out with people because he knew people, still hung out with people. The 12 apostles were consistently with him, as well as many other disciples. There were 70 other people that were in and out around Jesus on a regular time. In addition to that, he still had friends. The Bible says he had friends and family. Because we think, you know, we look at Jesus, we say to Jesus, oh, you know, none of Jesus' family believe in him. That's not true. It's just that his brothers did it. When he studied the Gospels, Jesus had an auntie that believed in him. He had an uncle that believed in him. His mama believed in him. He had family members with him. Jesus, although he's a son of God, the Messiah, has a mission to save the world, still had time to have friendships. What's your excuse? Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, let's close. Let me speed up. The plan is within you, but you must draw it out. The guide is within you, but you must yield to him. See, there's a lot of things about your future, about your path, about what God has for you, is what you would call a mystery. You don't know it. It hasn't risen up to your head yet, right? There's a lot of things about 2022 you just don't know. It is a mystery. The only thing you know about 2022 is what happened in your life yesterday. A lot of other things are mysteries. So what do we do concerning mysteries and what we don't know? First Corinthians 2, 6 says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the prince of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Say mystery. Go ahead, put it in the chat. Let's say it again. Say mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of the world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. And people like to shout, dance, run, buck, and all those things out of the Scripture, but that's not the good news. Because if you leave it right there, it says, oh, God has things prepared for me that no one's seen, no one's heard before, it hasn't entered anyone's no heart. That's technically not fully good news. I'm glad it's prepared, but I want it. Anybody else want it? Come on, there's an Amazon warehouse full of stuff for you, but you don't want it to stay in the warehouse. You want it at your house. So what does the Scripture goes on to say? But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man save the Spirit of man which is in him? even so the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That includes the plan and the map. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but the words that the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost has some words, and his words reveal. His words show you what I hasn't seen. His words show you what ears haven't heard. His words show you what hasn't entered into the heart of man. So if he's got some words that does all that, we need to find out those words and say those words. People talk about, well, I want to manifest this. You need to manifest what the Holy Ghost said and say his words. So what are those words? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 for he that speaks an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God for no man understands him howbeit in the spirit he speaks what come on say mysteries again but he that prophesies speaks unto men for edification exhortation and comfort but he that speaks an unknown tongue edifies or builds himself up but he that prophesies edifies or builds up the church and so when you pray this way, you're praying out mysteries, divine secrets, plans, and purposes. And as you spend time praying this way on a regular basis, things will become clear to you. Now, I'm not talking about you pray for five minutes a day and wait waited three months and prayed five minutes again. You're not going to get a lot of mysteries that way. But when this becomes your daily habit of praying in the Spirit, your future becomes clear. And it will help you not set your time machine for the past, but set your DeLorean for the future but you're gonna have to pray. This is gonna have to be a daily habit, praying in the spirit. Now, I'm not saying that you gotta pray in the spirit at top decibels and where everybody in your neighborhood can hear you pray, I'm not saying that. Because you can pray in the spirit quietly when you're out in public. Please don't be yelling in tongues, walking through publics. but please call me. Pastor, we got one of yours. <laughs> like, what? they just walking down the bread aisle, sanctifying every loaf, talking in the strange language. Pastor, come get them. <laughs> that is not what the scriptures tell me to do. When I go to grocery shopping, I do pray in the Spirit, but not loud where everyone else knows. No one else knows what I'm doing. Now that I got a mask, people especially don't know what I'm doing. Before, I would have my headphones on. People just think, oh, man, he really likes his music. It It's on purpose. Because I'm finding the opportunity to build myself up and make the plan more clear. Yes, have your prayer time in the morning. But how many know you should pray throughout the day? Because what if something pops up at noon? You're going to wait till tomorrow to pray about it? Pray in the Spirit throughout the day. Take time, even if it's just a couple minutes here and there, to pray in the Spirit. You stuck in traffic, pray in the Spirit. It's Atlanta. You're going to be stuck in traffic. That's five more minutes to pray in the Spirit and not get angry on 285. You have to make this your habit. That's why Paul says later in this chapter, he says, I'm grateful I pray in tongues more than all y'all at the church of Corinth put together. And Corinth was a tongue-talking church. He had to give them instructions about how not to be extra in spiritual things. And I'm talking about extra in a good way, extra in a bad way. You got what I'm saying, right? You know, most churches today can't even qualify for Paul's instructions because they didn't even get to where Corinth was. And so Paul says, this is what I'm telling you to do. If I... Notice what he says here. We'll skip down to verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. So he says, I'm going to pray in my understanding, which is the natural language. For most of you listening to me, it's English. So you pray in the way you understand. You pray in English, and you sing in English. But he says, and in addition to praying in English and singing in English, I will also pray in tongues, and I will sing in tongues they're all important. They both need to be part of your prayer life. You say, well, I can't sing. Well, we didn't say you had to sing loud. We didn't say you need to publish, you know, make a TikTok of you singing in other tongues. We didn't say you need to do that. You can sing quietly. God likes to hear you sing. He may be the only one, but he likes to hear you sing, and your angel can at least tolerate it. But it is part of our daily life of praying and singing in English and praying and singing in other tongues. It'll help make the plan clear. It'll build you up on the inside. But Paul even goes further later on in chapter 14. He quotes Isaiah 28, 11. And so I'll read it from Isaiah 28, 11, 12. He said, For with stammering lips in another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Praying in the Spirit will bring you refreshing. So it'll build you up, it'll encourage you, and help make the path and plan within you clear, and will bring you the refreshing that you need. And we're talking about walking into days of rest and refreshing and renewal. You won't experience all that to the a level God wants you to have if you don't take time daily to pray in the Holy Ghost. You won't get it. Not on the level God wants you to receive it. You need to pray in the Spirit every day. Take time to pray in the Spirit every day. Make a plan to pray in the Spirit every day. However, it works for you. So a number of you know I like to run. And so one of the things I do on my cool down when I walk back, I take a lot of that time to pray in the Spirit. That's part of my plan to make sure I build myself up. That was worked for me. You need to figure out what works for you. Because some of you say I ain't walking multiple miles past, I ain't doing it. So you need to figure out what works for you. You come up with a plan, and you build yourself up. Because prayer, praying in the Spirit brings forth illumination and refreshing, and prayer is twofold. Prayer is communication with God, and there's a side of prayer where God is working through your praying. I'll give you all my notes. It's there. Download it, and you can see it, because I'm for a second time. and am beginning to close. That there are times we run into resistance— because we didn't pray through first. That we take one step forward and end up three steps back. Because we're, we're walking down the right path. I'm not talking about you going around the wrong path. You're walking down the right path. You know you're doing what God wants you to do. But it seems every time you step up, you run into the giant in there. See, you no, know, Joshua had a map and there were still giants in the land. See, you have a map and a plant and there's still giants in the land or principalities in the land that are actively trying to resist you from doing what God said. Before you walk through a day, you need to pray through a day. Stop walking through days you haven't prayed through first. Because prayer in Ephesians 6 is compared to like a lance. And a lance was meant to deal with long distance enemies. Some of you are like, well, I got all this drama in my life, all these haters I'm fighting. Maybe you should have dealt with that weeks ago. Well, I didn't know what was coming. That's why you pray in the Spirit. So you can handle a whole lot of things in the Spirit if you actually pray in the Spirit. And some things never show up because you handled it. You thwarted a plan. You didn't even know what you're praying about, but you just got to know the victory. It's like, I don't know what it was, but I handled it. There's too many things some of you are fighting every single day that should not be in your face every single day. They're just there because, one, you don't use your authority. Two, you haven't renewed your mind. Three, you still live in an old way. And four, you didn't pray through. And praying through is going to take time. You got to do it every day. There's some things that are prayer projects that they just take time, that you just got to pick up. All right, run right out of time. The kids need something, so I'm going to go handle that, but I'll pick this up tomorrow. That's what prayer takes. There's a prayer side where you're communicating with God, and there's a side where he's working through your pray. Now, of course, enemy is not our focus in our praying, but there's times when you get over in the spirit. God will lead you to make a declaration that will be backed up with the authority of Jesus and that you'll know exactly what to deal with. You know how to handle it. You know what to do. You're not just rattling off scriptures like a machine gun. I'm not saying do that. Yes, that has impact, but that's not the highest level of impact. Now, you can quote every scripture and see which one sticks and get some type of impact. You really could, just rapid fire. You could. You'll get some type of result. But that's not the highest level of making things change when you pray. Because when you take time to pray and get in the Spirit, so what do we mean get in the Spirit? Get out your mind. Because, you know, if depending on the day, you just might be exhausted, upset, annoyed. He's like, I'm just so grateful I can pray. But you're not in a place where you know you're hearing clearly yet. But you get into a place where you prayed through, now you're hearing clearly, and now while you're praying in the Spirit, you're asking on the inside, God, what do you want me to say? what do you want me to say? What should I say about it? What should I say to it? And that's what you say. That's why the giants fall. That's why the principalities fall, because you're not making up your own words. You're saying his words. That's where there's power in confession that makes things change when you say what he tells you to say. He said, well, I know a thousand scriptures. Good. Ask him which one? Which one would you like me to say today? Sir, I am at your command, sir. We talk about authority this year. We're going to talk about it, but if we're going to have our authority at work, we have to be submitted to the authority of the name of Jesus. Jesus didn't just walk around rapid fire and everything. He said what his father told him to say. And if you want things to move in your life this year, you need to say what your father tells you to say, which means you got to pause for a second, look on the inside. Sir, what should I say? Sir, what are my orders? Sir, I will say what you tell me to say. Sir, and it will move just like you said it, sir. You have to handle things that way if you want things to move. So you're going to have to pray through. Deal with things in the Spirit before they happen. And I'm not just talking about for your life, because some of you are at this point where you need to start praying others through. You know they don't know how to pray themselves through yet. They just got saved. It's at the very beginning. You know, it's going to take, take a minute. So in the meantime, you pray them through. They don't know how to fight spiritually, so you fight for them. And you don't even have to tell them, I'm fighting for you right now. No, you just take them before God every single day. Father, I lift up so-and-so to you. I lift up brother so-and-so. I lift up sister so-and-so. And I'm going to pray for them in the spirit right now. And you let the Holy Ghost use you, and you pray them through because somebody prayed your tail through. I'm so grateful for the people who pray for me. I'm so grateful. There's some days, oh God, I'm so thankful somebody's praying for me right now. <laughs> Woo, Jesus, I'm thankful. We gotta be people who pray ourselves through and pray for others and pray them through. Taking our place and our space in the Spirit. Because the place and the space, God has for you, has an authority with it. And most of us never occupy that place because we never get over into the Spirit. Now, you don't have to post on Facebook what your space is and what your place is. So I have authority in this realm of the Spirit. Please don't do that. You're just going to see very weird and flaky. Please don't do that. But you know what it is. You know what your prayer assignment is. And you go every day and say, Father, I take my place, the space you have for me in the Spirit. And you begin to pray. you begin to pray out things. You begin to handle things. You'll see things change. But you got to take your place because there's authority connected to your place in the Spirit. You have authority for your life and the immediate dominion, but there are things when you get over in the Spirit and faithful in this way, God will give you assignments in certain areas. It may be in this area, maybe may be in other areas. And when you pray, there's authority back behind it where things will change. And principalities will have to bow and listen to you because of the authority that's been granted you. But you're not going to get it if you don't inhabit that place. And that place is not inhabited by people who just vacation in the Spirit. You have to live in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit is not flaky. It is not deep. It is not spooky. The Holy Ghost is not spooky. Spooky people make the Holy Ghost spooky. It's listening to him and letting him yield. He said, well, Pastor, I don't, I, look, I'm honest. I don't have the attention plan to pray for an hour. God didn't say you had to pray for an hour straight, did he? smith walker says it this way. He says, I never pray more than 15 minutes at a time. He said, I never go 15 minutes without praying. So you say, well, I can't pray for an hour straight. Well, pray for however long straight you can and then come back to it. But on those days when you sense the Holy Ghost saying, keep going, then you keep going. Oh, I can't pray without coffee. Well, get your coffee and pray. I'm grateful for caffeine. Y'all already know that. Find what works for who you are and begin to do what God says. Because if you're going to have the year you want to have this year, you're going to have to do these things consistently. You're going to have to leave the past in the past. Because if not, you're going to set your time machine to the past. You're going to have to change the way you think. You've got to change what you do. you got to pray through. You have to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. Because the thing is, He will talk to you the way you talk. He'll use phrases that you use. You think the Holy Ghost taught you in King James? He ain't gonna do that. Because you don't even understand the King James. Why would He talk to you in this thou beest? And you're like, Come again. He will use things that you understand. And so that's why I talk about Back to the Future today, because you understand what a time machine could do or should do. And now you understand that if you don't change your mind, you go back to the past. If you don't change what you're doing, you go back to the past. If you don't pray through, you go back to the past. If you don't follow the plan, you go back to the past. If you stay at the brook, you go back to the past. You have to go forward. You have to set your time machine to the future. Go past 88 miles per hour and go, like Doc Brown said, where we're going, we don't need roads. You have to go to the future. You have to go to what God has for you. The world today doesn't need a church that's stuck in the past. The world needs a church today that will go forward with the Holy Ghost and do whatever the Holy Ghost is telling them to do. See, we're called to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And so to do that, we have to go forward. I'll share later this month because of this series about how to get you into your future as well as us the church. But one of the things we did through our Faith Plus Out was a step towards the future. Other things we're doing later this month in the app is a step towards the future. To the point that just, I haven't even looked at all the data from yesterday's conference, but just what I looked at is already far greater than what we had last year. We have to go to the future. And so there's some things we talk about praying through today. There are some things I will share with you later this month that I'm not doing this year. I'm not gonna do it this year. But I'm gonna tell you so we can pray about it. Because there's some projects. There's one big project that's going to take some time of prayer to pray some things through, to so pray some things right. But we're a church that knows how to pray. I like the way how Lynn Hammond said it. She told Marcus Stanger, "said That's a church that knows how to do business with God." And so there are things we're going to have to pray through. There's some things we'll do this year. There's some things we'll just set up for next year. Other things where as we walk down the path God has for us. But in order to do that, we have to pray it through. We can't just do it in our own natural mind. We're people of the word, but we also have to be people of the spirit. I'll unplug here, stand to your feet. Your future is calling. Those things you're writing on that paper or you wrote on that paper that you're gonna put at the altar in a little bit, you need to leave it there. Don't go back to those things. You remind yourself, hey, I ain't doing that this year. Some of you, to experience rest, you gotta tell yourself, stop stressing. Every time you feel the stress come on, you say, you no, I ain't doing that this year. I did that to myself yesterday. I was, something was going on with the conference, felt stress coming, said, no, Carrick, you ain't doing that this year. You ain't, no, you ain't doing that. I refuse. You have to be the same way with whatever you're leaving, whatever stress, worry, or anxiety, whatever thing you write on that paper, you leave leaving it all to you. say, I am not taking that into the future. Because if I take that with me, I'll think I'll go to the future, or I'll end up set my DeLorean to the past. It's time to go forward. It's time to leave things behind. And part of that is forgiving yourself. It's like, Pastor, I did stupid things in the past. We've all done stupid things in the past. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. But if you stay in condemnation, you keep beating yourself up, you won't go to the future. Because if you're condemning yourself, that means you're in the state of the past. Because if you keep condemning yourself, that means your mind is always on what you did not what you're going to do. And if you always think about what you did, guess what? You're going to do what you did before because that is your focus. And Paul did not tell Archippus, focus on your past. No, he says, pay attention to the ministry God has given you that you may fulfill it. Don't pay attention to your past. Pay attention to the assignment God has given you that you may fulfill it. So, Father, we thank you. For this time in the word, this time of encouragement, this time of correction, this time where this utterance of the spirit is getting us right word to you where you want us to be. This time, this time, this time that's so special to you, this time that's a mas kungama a time that's a sevrun, a time that will si branda a branda a le mangeletata. Because everybody's mind is on time. What time is this? How much time do I have? What has happened to time? What is going to happen this year? What's going to happen this month? These times seem too much. These years seem overwhelming. These times seem unprecedented. I wish there was a precedented time to return to. Don't focus on the times, saith the Lord. Focus on me and walk with me step by step, and I'll take you to the future. Yes, this year has some things that will cause people on this planet to mourn, but that doesn't mean you have to be a part of it. Yes, there will be some things this year that will cause stress and anxiety to go throughout the world, but that doesn't mean you have to take a part of it because you are not subject to the times. I've called you to overcome the times. Yes, you live in the times, but you're not subject to the times. If you walk with me, you overcome time and time and time again. So you must redeem the time, for the days are evil. You must make use of every opportunity I bring your way, says the Spirit of grace. You must move with me, you must go forward with me. Stop looking at the past, look at me. Stop looking at what happened. Look at me. Stop looking at things years gone by. Look at me. Walk with me. Fellowship with me. Get to know me. Put your attention on me. Pay attention to what I told you to do so that you fulfill it. And you will fulfill it if you'll walk with me, if you focus on me and not focus on all the drama and the trauma in the world. Yes, those things will happen. And yes, those things will go on, but if you walk with me and use the authority that I've given you, you'll rise above every single time. Just like an airplane can rise above turbulence, I've caused you to rise above the turbulence of this world. And as you begin to walk with me, you'll learn how to use your authority even more clearly, and you'll be able to stop certain things and deliver, yeah, deliver whole sets of people from the attack of the enemy but you must walk with me you must listen to me you must yield to me you must go into your future because I'll use you I'll use your family and I'll use this church to do what I called it to do and everything I said will come to pass in your life don't focus on the times focus on me says the Lord glory to God glory to God thank you Thank you. Thank you for tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. Thank you for the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's pray in the Spirit for a moment. I don't want to miss anything. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. talaba. Come on, join me and pray in the Spirit. Whether you're in this room or watching online, come on, let's pray in the Spirit for a few moments. Si come on. i la la Mangro, la Mangro, Shila Lishalabaha. Say, I'm Rose Vila la Mangro, Shila. Say, I'm a Vila. Oh, 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 yeah yeah oh, 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 See, walking with me will bring you rest. Walking with me will bring you refreshing. Walking with me and doing things the way I tell you to do will cause you to be renewed. You won't be stressed out. You won't be anxious. You know where to focus because you'll be focusing on me. And you'll learn how to do it a new way because if you keep doing it the way you used to do, you'll still be stressed out like you were in the past. But if you do it the way that I teach you and you yield to the direction of my spirit, you'll accomplish more and you'll experience more and you'll enjoy more. Because I have come that you might have and enjoy life, saith God. That has not changed since my son has ascended into heaven. I still want you to have that today. But you won't have that if you keep doing things your own way. You'll have it if you do things my way. For my way, what I have for you will lead you in a path that, yes, will bless you and yours will be a blessing to many that you encounter. So this year, focus on me. Walk with me. Walk into your future. Get out of that past. Get out of that past thinking. Get out of that past mindset. Walk with me, and you'll overcome these times, saith the Lord. Thank you, Jesus amen i believe today's message encourage you it's strengthen you it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith if you're ever in the metro Atlanta area we love for you to worship with us in person you can find information about our different locations at fccga.com also we have so many different ways where you can get the word you can download our faith plus app you could also visit us on our social media pages on instagram on twitter on facebook